how we've really been reminded well today about how great God is. And there's been a lot of us that have been praying for you that in this hour, the greatness of God would not just be theory or concept, that you might have some experience to that end of His greatness. Uh, In a moment, I'm going to be reading uh, from the book of Ephesians near the end of the New Testament. Um, If you are not acquainted, your Bible has some great little tools in it. And so I would encourage you to be acquainted with the beginning uh, pages of your Bible where there's a table of contents. And there you can find Ephesians. And there it will have a page. Or you could thumb. You could just be thumbing for some period of time. But if you uh, want a little... Uh, help that gets you there. Your table of contents will take you right to Ephesians. And we're going to be in the first chapter. And we'll be thinking and talking about the greatness of God in just a minute. We're uh, doing a whole series out of the book of Ephesians that uh, we're calling it an app for that. It's uh, how do you follow Christ? Well, the Bible is like the ancient original app for that. And uh, for those of you that are less technologically inclined, uh, we actually have telephones these days that are smart enough that you can have these apps or applications, and with the press of a button, you have all kinds of capabilities at your hand. And we're suggesting to you that uh, both the Scriptures and the person of God are available to us with that kind of ready, handy access. But I want to be clear, it's not like God is at our beck and call. He's not some kind of genie that we can just whip up anytime we want to. But he is inclined toward us. And he is at work in and around us all the time. And uh, as we are in concert with that, it was as if, you know, we just have an instant point of access with him about this or about that. And that's what we're going to get in. So today we're talking about that in this kind of way. It's like tapping into greatness. As great as he is, as awesome as he is. He allows us access to himself, to his power, to his wisdom, to uh, strength for perseverance and courage. It's remarkable. Now, uh, I don't know if you caught the story this past week, but there is an army captain by the name of Jonathan Springer, who's around 30, 31 years of age. He serves in Afghanistan. And because he's been on the field in Afghanistan, he is aware of the needs that uh, soldiers like himself have. Uh, And so he has invested about $26,000 of his own money to develop a military app for the iPhone. No joke. It's going to be available in the Apple Store next month. And this app that this captain has developed... Uh, has the capability of being able to access satellites and determine where enemy uh, forces are assembling. It can find tanks and other artillery and things like that. It can even access our artillery and fire things remotely. Who knew? And uh, he's, he's made it, po- I mean, these, you may not be aware, but our military are constantly using smartphones in the field and in battle now. And so he's just now taking it up to another whole level. What if we had an app 
like that, that that would give us that kind of capability so that if we needed wisdom, we were in a situation that was just beyond us, beyond what we could comprehend about what would be right, what would be wrong, what would be prudent, what would be foolish. What, What if you had bountiful wisdom and insight like that? What if you had a perspective on cultural values from above? You saw things the way that God sees them. You could respond to them the way that God responds to these things. What if you had the authority and the power of the ruler of the universe to carry out the mission that he has given you? What we're going to see in Ephesians 1 is that God is at work in and around us in exactly that kind of way. And so we're going to read together in Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to pick it up in verse 15. And it really continues a similar theme to where we were last time. And if you missed last week, I'd encourage you to get the the CD for that or or go to our our website and listen to it online and kind of catch the flow of where we're headed with it all today. But we've been uh, singing. We've been focusing our heart and attention on the person of God and the greatness of God. Just continue in that same flow with this reading beginning in verse 15. And this is the Apostle Paul, who's writing a letter to Christians and to churches that are all around this great ancient city of Ephesus. And he's doing so to encourage them and to help them follow Christ. Verse 15. So it's for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, we're grateful that we have English translations. Uh, We'd be in a hard way today if we had to read that in the original Greek. And uh, we're grateful for the uh, education that we've had so that we can understand words and the nuance of words, and sentence structure, and why uh, this is said that way and what it means. Even with all that, sometimes when you read Paul, you just get lost. Anybody get lost? That's what we're just reading right now. Okay. And the, one of the reasons is, is because uh, Paul was not great with punctuation. <laughs> we just read an entire paragraph, and that was one sentence for Paul. And uh, English editors were kind enough to put a comma here and, you know, another little piece here to help us break it up uh, so that we could breathe while we're reading the whole thing. 
And the whole passage before it, verses 1 through 14, one sentence. So we've just done a whole chapter, and it was two sentences for Paul. So uh, I want to kind of go back and unpack some of it along the way. Keep your Bible open. Uh, just follow along in the verses as we're talking about these and unpacking these along the way. First of all, Paul begins his comments uh, with affirmations for uh, these believers in Ephesus. Um, now, Ephesus was uh, a port city. It was uh, the third or the fourth largest city in uh, the day of Paul. Uh, it's extremely important in the scheme of world things. There's a lot of people that go in and out and through. Uh, it's very cosmopolitan. Uh, there's a lot of different faiths that are there. And Christianity has taken a firm root there and begun to expand and even to explode. And there are multiple uh, churches and congregations and house gatherings and all this all around the city. Uh, Paul had been instrumental in helping a lot of these things get going. So it's been about five years since he's been there. And he writes this letter to them to encourage them. Now, when we get to chapters 4, 5, and 6, we're going to get to some of the most practical passages in all of the Bible. Uh, how are you supposed to relate to your spouse? How are you supposed to relate to your children? How are you supposed to relate to the greater Christian community? How are you supposed to deal with this kind of spiritual power and, and evil and devil and all this kind of stuff? All these very practical things are going to be happening near the end of the book. But before we get to that, Paul lays this context so that you know how to approach those practical applications. And this context is, it's a great, awesome, mighty God that we get to know, that we get to do life with, who empowers and transforms us. So he's laying this whole theological foundation before you get to the practical, because guess what? Because we're kind of practical-leaning people. We, we like to, you know, hey, let's just get on down there and talk about it. If you don't have the proper foundation, when you start getting to those practical applications, you'll do so like a legalist. You'll do so like a rule keeper. And these are not rules to be kept as much as they are means of doing life with Christ and following Him and having the blessings that he promises all of his people to be able to be lived out in your life. And so he's trying, that's what he's trying to get at. And he begins uh, in this section by affirming these Ephesians because at this point, they're kind of getting that. He says, I've heard of your faith and of your love. Well, now, how do you hear of somebody's faith? What is faith? I mean, a lot of us tend to think about faith as just this intellectual belief. I got a couple of uh, doctrines here that I hold on to and that I, I think are true. And uh, Paul is way beyond that. He's not talking about just the things in your mind you go, I, I think that's right. But when he says, I've heard of your faith, he's talking about like flesh and blood examples of their faith. The way they've been living their faith out. You could say it this way, I've heard of your faithfulness. Your expressions of faith, where they have trusted God, taken risk for God, and been a part of God's activity in the midst of their city and, and, and with people around them and people they work with and people they're related to and all that. And I've heard about your love. And, and, and that's not 
I, I hear how you feel about everybody and you got warm fuzzies for everybody. But again, I, I've heard about your loving actions is what he's getting at. So these practical expressions of both faith and love, he's affirming. I've, heard, I've been hearing reports about that. I've been hearing testimonies about that. And friends, frankly, that's one of the reasons why the gathering of the church, whether it's a large gathering on Sundays or small gatherings in groups, or anything, that's one of the reasons why it's so important. So that you, likewise, can hear about expressions of faith and expressions of love that are going on all the time around you. They are core and central to who we are and what we're about and how we experience God. And I not only need that to be true and expressive in my own life, I need to be seeing that and hearing that from others because of how that fortifies me and how my story is fortifying you. And so they they know and they're hearing about each other's stories. Paul's hearing about their stories. Praise God. I thank the Lord for you. There's good stuff that's going on there. Which just highlights for us, friends, this is where it's at. Things that we can get so caught up with, like our technology, just really doesn't matter that much. So as I've been preparing for this series, all of a sudden my phone's gone a little crazy, and so I've been shopping for a new phone. Oh my goodness, there's some cool ones out there. Yeah? And so, you know, if you've moved from the, I just use mine to talk, to now I, you know, have all these apps to do all these different kinds of uh, options. But you know what? There was a day, and I remember it well, <laughs> where if you wanted a, a portable phone, you had this big honking box <laughs> with a strap that you would carry so that you could have, you know, a portable. I, I remember that day. And then they had these big monsters, and then they get smaller and smaller, right? And with every generation, there'd come a point that we'd become <laughs> bored with it. And I, I hear some of our kids, you know, they got some of the latest and greatest. We've got video games now. You don't even have to have hand controls, right? The game reads your body, and with your emotions, you play the game. You interact with the game. And after, uh, you know, a few weeks of doing that, I hear kids talk about how bored. They got the coolest little hand telephone, the coolest little video game, and they're bored. And we could just extrapolate that out for the way we become all excited and enamored for a period. And then we kind of get bored and we're waiting for what's next, what's, what's going to be the next greatest thing. And, and the same thing is with success. You guys that have tried these ladders and, you know, I want to accomplish this and I want to get this award, I want to get this recognition and all that kind of thing. The whole matter of celebrity, the whole matter of fame, the whole matter of recognition, all these things are empty. And some of you that have been around a little bit, you're getting that. You know, that's, it's just empty. And yet it's what we talk about. We talk about our late, latest gizmo and gadget. We talk about what's happening on Facebook. We talk about what's happening at work. We're talking about what's happening with our sports stuff. And, and my kid did this and this team did that. And, you know, who's going to win the Super Bowl and whatever. And you know, I enjoy all those kinds of things, friends. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not just bashing those things. I'm just saying in comparison to having a, a, a living relationship with God, it's nothing. It's empty. It's a dead end. We, we dare not allow ourselves to be sidetracked or distracted with the stuff of this world. And so Paul is saying, you're, you're doing good because I hear about your faith. 
I hear about your love. I hear about the, the way you're being so meaningful to the saints. Now, that's not dead people who live well for God. But saints refers to anybody that's a follower of Jesus. It, it just means the holy ones, the ones who have set their course in life to be after Jesus. I hear the way you're treating other people. Then he gets into talking about who Christ is. And again, it's a run-on sentence that you can get lost in. So let's just take it a little phrase at a time. And allow, allow your heart to just be open to the greatness of who he is as Paul sees it and as Paul describes it. He tells us he's conquered death. Now, death is like the ultimate enemy here. Once death conquers you and, and, and uh, you breathe no more, it's no more hope for you. It's a time for condemnation. It's a time for eternal separation. Except that Jesus has conquered that and made it so that death, as Paul would say, doesn't have a sting anymore, but rather it is just a doorway into a far better way, a far better day. He's conquered death. He is exalted in the heavenly places. Everything has been placed under Jesus. Every other power, every other government system, every disease, every bit of evil, everything has been placed under him. He's over it all. He has a power over it all. He's sovereign. He gets to decide. He gets to choose. He gets to guide. He gets to direct however he sees fit. There is no action. There is no one else's decision. There's no other movement of whatever other power that can thwart or undo or prevent or hinder Jesus' agenda. He is going to accomplish whatever he purposes to do. He's sovereign. Above every name forever. Above every celebrity above every political leader, above every military leader, above every other person of power there's ever been. He's above it. And he's the head of the church. And those of you that have been around here for a while, you know we make a big deal about that. We have leaders in this church, but we understand all of our leaders to be under the headship of Jesus. The role of leaders around here is to figure out what does Jesus want. It's his church. And so the number one priority of leaders around here is to pray and try to discern and try to follow what's Jesus doing with his church. Because he's alive today and he's ruling and reigning and running the show. Now on the flip side, Paul also talks about who we are. He has all this great extolling stuff to say about God and about Jesus. And then he says, and by the way, here's who you are when you are in Jesus. He says, you possess his wisdom. I mean, how great is that? Every parent ought to be just worshiping Jesus right now because who has the wisdom to raise a kid today? Nobody. It's never been more complex. It's never been more challenging than it is today. 
And yet you have all wisdom. Marriage is more complex and more challenging in many ways than, it, than ever before. And so it is with the economy. So it is in our business places. And you have all wisdom. You have his wisdom available for whatever circumstance or situation that you're in. Paul says you're a pretty blessed person. He says you, you receive revelation of him. Now, friend, that's not crystal ball stuff about the future and should I invest in this or what? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something way better than that. Revelation of God. He will disclose himself to you. He will allow you to know him. Draw up close and be personal. Have a relationship. Enlightened hearts that see. I mean, I, I hang around every week. I see people that are just whacked out. You, you hang around any whacked out people? You one of those whacked out people? And, and I start seeing this whacked out stuff. And if I were just left on my own, I'd see that person coming. I'd turn around and go the other way. I'd go hide. I'd, go, I'd, I'd be getting away. I'd say, you know, I've I got no space in my room, no room in my life for you. Except for the fact He allows me, he allows you to see other people the way he sees them. Why they are broken and busted. Why they do broken, busted stuff. What kinds of healing that they need. All that stirs not just revelation and and awareness in you, but compassion and love. and, And moves you to do things that the Bible calls ministry, which just simply means serve people, try to help them, make a difference, befriend them, those kinds of things. He enlightens our hearts. And in the middle of all that, we experience hope. I'm not just talking about a little optimism that today is going to be okay and this week's going to be okay. And gosh, I guess this, this year is going to be okay. But that all of life is okay. It's in his hand. No matter how the cards come out, no matter what kind of hand is dealt, no matter what kind of circumstances you're walking through right now. It's good. It's okay. He's at work. I can trust him about that. I told you that last week regarding my sister-in-law who's battling cancer and been having a hard time this week. Thank you for your ongoing prayers for her. Um, Sherry's been there with her for these days. She comes home tonight. These last three or four days since the transplant, she's having a really hard time with the medications and, and just a lot of sickness. But she has hope, not hope that she'll be delivered from cancer, She's praying for that. We're praying for that. But hope that God is good, that God is loving, that God is at work, that God is going to use whatever she's going through in some kind of powerful, redemptive, eternal kind of way. And if the end of her life is sooner than later, she has hope about how all that turns out. It's all going to be good. And and Jesus is going to receive me to himself and I'm going to be with him forever. Hope. I mean, how powerful is that? And he says that we are heirs of his riches. Now, don't go crazy, you know, about what that's going to mean to your bank account. It can mean something to your bank account. He, he supplies financial kinds of things to us all the time. But his riches are way bigger and way better than just financial stuff. Sense of peace sense of well-being, sense of security, the hope, all these kinds of riches are ours. And we are empowered 
by his resurrection. Meaning, the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead, he makes that power available to us to be able to do what he asks us to do, to navigate this life, to become who he's called us to become. Now, On one hand, I love saying all that I just got through saying. I love being able to present. I love being able to convey. On the other hand, it breaks my heart to say what I just said, and it grieves me. Because the fact of the matter is, most of us don't believe it. Now, we would never say, I don't believe the thing he just said. We, We would never articulate that. But in our heart of hearts, we don't really believe it. Or if we do believe it, it might be for this super Christian. It might be for this super saint over here, but it wouldn't be for me. In other words, we tend to dismiss it as idealistic. The power of God at work in you. His wisdom, his capacity to enlighten your heart and to see all kinds of things and to know. Yeah, yeah. For some people, maybe. Idealistic. Hype. Theoretical. And thus, we don't have that power in our lives. And it's grievous when it happens that way. Or our culture just deadens our heart to these things. And so we always got all this stuff going on all around us. And it's always clamoring and calling for our attention. And we've got to give attention to this work thing or to this school thing or to this family thing or to this financial thing or whatever. And thus Paul is praying for those Ephesians, oh, that their heart would be enlightened. Why? Because the heart is in danger of being dulled. And so we can be dismissive and have no power. Our hearts can be deadened and we have no power. Our hearts can be deceived by our enemy and we have no power. We're going to get into a lot of that in chapter 6 when we get that that, uh, end of the book passage. And so it really behooves us for just a moment to kind of do the self-check for just a moment. What's the state of my heart? Is it enlivened? Is it stirred? Is it passionate? Is there a power of God that flows in and out of me? Is it making a difference all around me? Or is there kind of a dismissive, deadened, even deceived kind of thing going on with my heart? Well, I uh, have been spending a lot of time over these last months studying, praying, about God's movement, about awakening, about revival, about God stirring, about God, you know, doing stuff in area-wide kinds of ways. And I've been reading a lot of stories, a lot of testimonies. Let me share one of those with you. A guy by the name of Matt, who uh, is a leader in his church, and uh, they gathered for a Wednesday night prayer meeting. Prayer meeting was over, and they were all about to go home. And one of the elders in Matt's church, a guy by the name of Bob, came up to him. And uh, Matt was already kind of looking forward to getting in the car, going home, having a little snack, watching some TV. And uh, this elder comes up to him and says, so Matt, what is God doing? 
And Matt's like, what? Uh, I don't, I'm saving people? I don't know what you mean. And Bob said, no, I mean right now, this minute. What, what is God doing? And Matt says, I, beats me. I don't know. And Bob said, well, let's go find out. Let's go down to the prayer room and let's just pray for a moment. And so, you know, Matt, being a good church-going leader in his church, uh, dedicated kind of guy, so, you know, he's not going to go, oh, I was going to go home and have a snack and watch TV. But no, no, okay, let's go pray and see what God is doing, right? So they start going down the hall, and uh, Matt's wife has come down the hall, and she goes, what, what are you doing? What are you, where are you going? He goes, well, we're, we're going to go find out what God's doing. And she's like, what? And he said, come on, come on. So the three of them go down to this little prayer room, and, and um, they're going to begin to pray. And Bob says, let, let me encourage you to do this. Take out a sheet of paper. And I just want you to pray, God, what are you doing? And trust that he'll bring something to your mind, and I'm going to ask you to write that down. Now, let me add a word of caution at this point, okay? Um, I think most of you have been around me long enough to know I I fully believe in, in God moving in this kind of way. I have this kind of thing happen around my own life all the time. But these kinds of things always need to happen in concert with the Bible. In other words, God's not going to tell you to go do something. He's not going to give you some guidance and leadership about something that contradicts what the Bible says. God told me to go. I needed money. He told me to go rob you know, the, the store down here. He's never going to say anything like that. Okay? So it's always going to be in concert with the Scriptures. So back to the story. They go into this prayer room. and So he's like, okay, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And um, as he's praying... The only thing that's come to his mind is Whataburger. <laughs> now, if you're not familiar, down in the south, these places are, you know, these burger places are all over the place. And like McDonald's, they're junk food, okay? So I, <laughs> I get that, but I, I dig them anyway. So uh, he's like, I had not had dinner, and I can't get this place out of my mind. So he just writes it down, Whataburger on South 27th Street, just to kind of get it out of his head. And, and Bob says, what would you write down? And he goes, oh, nothing, nothing, forget it. <laughs> so he's back to praying. He's back to praying. And all of a sudden, in his mind, pops a black guy with black pants and a gray shirt and pink pigtails. He's like, oh, my gosh, I'm losing my mind. And, and you know, what? The, so he just he writes that down just to get it out of his mind. And, and Bob says, what are you writing? He goes, nothing, nothing. Forget it. Forget it. And so he's, he's praying again. And it's just not coming. And so he, he raises up and he goes, Bob, I don't know. I, I'm just not getting anything. And so Bob said, well, you wrote something down. What do you got down there? And uh, he said, okay, I've got Whataburger at South 27th Street, a big black guy with black pants and gray shirt, pink pigtails. I, you know, I know, I'm nuts. I've lost my mind. And Bob says, no, let's go find out. And Matt's, what? He goes, let's go down to Whataburger. So they literally leave the church building. They get in their cars. They drive down to Whataburger. And they walk in, and they're looking around, you know, looks like any other night at Whataburger. And Matt hadn't had dinner, and he's like, well, I'm, I'm going to eat. So he goes and he orders, you know, bacon cheeseburger and fries and shake and all this kind of healthy stuff. And um, he gets his wife some food, and, and he, he, he starts to take it back to the table, and Bob's beginning to make an order 
and the door to Whataburger opens, and in comes a big black guy with black pants and a gray shirt. And Matt kind of drops his mouth. He's, he's a gate there. He's just staring at the guy walking in. And the guy walks by and looks at him like, what are you looking at? And he goes on over and he sits down and Matt and his wife are just like, what, what's, what is this? I mean, there's no pink pigtails, but this is pretty freaky. <laughs> and then the guy goes up and he takes the shoulder of Bob and Bob turns around and they start talking. And now Matt's like, what is going on? And after a few minutes, Bob and this guy come over to the table. And Bob says to him, Thomas, tell him what you just told me. And Matt and his wife are looking at each other and they're looking at Bob and they can't figure all this out. And uh, the, the guy's name is Thomas. And he says, I think uh, maybe God's up to something tonight. And Matt's like, what, what? And Bob says, show him the piece of paper. So Matt takes out the piece of paper that says, Whataburger, South 27th Street, black man, black pants, gray shirt, pink pigtails. And Thomas looks at that and just explodes in crying and sobs in the restaurant in front of everybody. And Bob helps him to sit down, and they all sit together in this booth, and after a few minutes, he kind of gets his composure. And um, while Bob's, while, while Thomas is trying to get his composure, Bob begins to fill in some of the gaps. Are you with me? Okay. So Bob, who is an elder in this church, is also a counselor. And he's been counseling for years. And Thomas had come to see him ten years ago. And uh, they haven't seen each other for years. And so when Thomas sees him at the counter of Whataburger, he taps him on the shoulder, reintroduces himself, asks Bob if he remembers him. Bob doesn't remember him. And Thomas begins to remind him of his story. His story being, in brief, that his little 10-year-old daughter at that time, who always wore pink pigtails, was assaulted by his brother and they had all kinds of legal mess and all kinds of uh, psychological uh, mess going on, emotional stuff. And so they'd come to Bob to get help with all that. And, and Bob did remember it after Thomas refreshed his memory. Well, that day, it's now 10 years later, Thomas's 20-year-old daughter had been arrested for drugs. He'd been, he had just spent the entire day trying to get her out of jail. And he couldn't get her out of jail. Here it is late at night. And he just kind of stumbles into Whataburger to have a burger. And he runs into these people who God told to go to Whataburger and see what would happen. To see what God is doing. And so they began to pray. And they prayed for Thomas. And they prayed for Thomas's daughter. And they prayed for whatever you know she was experiencing at that moment in the jail cell. Which can be a very scary kind of deal, etc. They wrapped up the night. Everybody went home. Two days later, Thomas calls Matt and said, you know, the other night we met, we're praying. We were right there in front of Whataburger and everybody. He goes, while we were praying, the prison chaplain had come to see my daughter and led her to Christ. Right in the moment that we were praying. And I just thought you'd want to know. 
Would you like to know? <laughs> I'd like to know. Thank you very much. But friends, this is what I'm talking about. Not that you're seeing that kind of stuff happen every single day or every single week, but that you live in concert with God and the moving of God and the Spirit of God in such a way that you become a part of who He is and what He's doing. And He gives you eyes to see these things. He gives you a heart of wisdom. And and He gives you a power to respond. Now, um, most of you know the story that happened around here uh, a few months ago when Todd and Bree's son, Hayden, who had been on a waiting list for a heart transplant, finally had a donor, right? And you've heard, some of you have heard bits and pieces of the story along the way. And, and many of you were praying for the transplant to be able to be a success and that Hayden would be able to live and, and that God's purposes in Hayden's life would be carried out. And So we're, we're at the hospital and the procedure has already begun, right? The heart's not there yet. I don't, I don't even remember what the details were about why it was delayed, but... The child had already been in process long enough. They had to get going with it. They couldn't wait any longer for the heart to get there. And so they began already. They cut open the child's chest. They removed the defective heart. They had the kid on on machines. And the heart wasn't even in the room yet. And we're praying and we're asking God to do a miracle and, and to bless. The heart gets there. They put the heart in. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, my goodness, it's too big for his chest. Not sure we're going to be able to close the chest over it. But they're able to close the chest over it. And so far, the rejection thing has been held off and and it is being more and more accepted. And he continues to gain weight and grow. And we give thanks to God. But, you know, how do you pray for those things? How do you walk with God during those kinds of times? We we gathered here in this room uh, early part of November for our annual church forum. Many of you were here that night. And we were in tables all around this room, and we were hearing stories about what is God doing? How is God at work? And at one point, I came to a table that was right over there by that middle door. And some of you will remember who was sitting around the table, and and Katie Harris got up and shared some testimony about the struggle that she'd been having with God and a little anger toward God uh, because of the miscarriage that she had experienced. And um, I had not planned to ahead of time. Uh, I just was going to let her share her story for what it's worth because it, it's worth something that you can get sideways with God and He can be so gracious with you that He'll bring you back you know, into a relationship with Him and, and fellowship with Him. But after she was sharing her story, I just felt, we've got to pray right now that God would give them a child. Now, I don't always pray that because I don't know what God wants. Maybe God wants a couple to be childless for reasons that we don't always get this side of heaven. But I felt impressed to pray anyway, and so I asked all of you, and we laid hands on them, and we prayed, and most of you have heard over the last couple of weeks that they're pregnant, and they're going to have a child. And um, they just had their first excursion to Babies R Us yesterday, so (laughs) praise the Lord. Um, But but you, you follow what I'm talking about, friends. He is a great God. He wants to do and does do great things in us. Through us. Unless we have our hearts deadened to such things. 
or deceived about such things or were just dismissive about such things. But there are some of you, you're all over this. You walk in a constant state of prayer. And like Paul, I just give thanks for you over and over again because of this concert that you have going with God. And and you pray and he directs and he enlightens and he opens your heart about things. And you respond and you give and you love and you call upon God to do something extraordinary. And it's, it's exciting to do life with you and I'm grateful to do life with you. And so I just have to join Paul's statement that he had for the Ephesians, for those of you in this church family, that live and walk with him in that kind of way. God continue to bless you with a heart that is alive like that. Let me ask you, though, if you're not one of those I just described, would you just be honest for a moment? And I don't even necessarily mean honest with us. Just honest to God. Honest to yourself. Would you have to say that it's kind of gotten stale? It really has. And I don't know. I know God is real. I get that whole theoretical thing. But there's just this, this distance thing going on right now. And honestly, the flame for Jesus just kind of low. I want to pray for you. I think part of what God's up to in this hour is not that Jerry gets to do some songs and Scott gets to do a sermon, but it's can we meet with him and be impacted by him and transformed and engaged and inflamed for him. And so I'm going to do the ask that, you know, is on the courageous side. That's on the risk side. It doesn't, it's not for us. But it's for God and for yourself. If you just say, honest to God, it's kind of stale. It's kind of a low flame passion. There's a little distance. And I don't want it to be that way. I want it to be different. I want it to be in ways that you describe and the Bible describe. I'm going to ask you, you just, just put your hand up. Say, that, that's me. I don't want to stay there. I, I want you to pray for me. If that's what we're doing right now, I want that kind of prayer. Honest to God. Okay? Takes a little courage, a little risk. Anybody else? Honest to God. I just, I don't want to stay there. Something's got to change. It's got to be different. Anybody else? Okay, thank you. Now, here's my assumption. If you didn't raise your hand, that means that you're growing in the knowledge of Christ. Your heart is just burning with passion. You're inflamed for Him. The intimacy thing with Jesus is just deepening and deepening and deepening and deepening. And it is a good season in your life. Or, you don't know Christ yet, and you're here and you're just kind of checking this thing out. You're in one of those two if you didn't raise your hand. Let me say, if you're here outside of 
Christ. I am so glad you're here. I, I mean that. It's a blessing to me and to many of us that you would come, that you'd kind of check this thing out with us and just see, you know, more about who God is and what Jesus is about and how, you know, our lives get synced up with him like that. Uh, I, I hope that this place is working out for you in that kind of search for God. And I pray God bless you in that search and in that pursuit. But for those of you that didn't raise your hand, you'd go, I'm really growing. Then God bless you. I, I've already affirmed you. But here's the rest of the story. Some of you that didn't raise your hand are just not being honest or... You're okay about staying where you are. And if you're okay about staying where you are, then I would say that's a dangerous, dangerous place. And I just caution you as lovingly and as sincerely as I know how to caution you, that's a, that's a dangerous place to live. Now, those of you that raised your hand a moment ago, we want to pray for you. We want to pray for you right now. I'm going to ask you to take it another step, a little more difficult. And I'm going to ask you, if you said, yes, pray for me, would you just, uh, in the grace of God, stand where you are? You raised your hand a moment ago. We're going to pray for you. And if you will, just stand where you are. Okay? All right? Okay. Thank you. Now, those of you that didn't raise your hand and you're like, it's good. I mean, God's doing the thing in me. I need you to pray for these that are standing. All right? This is one of the most uncomfortable things I've asked this church to do. I absolutely felt like God was asking us to do it today. I think God wants to do something special in the course of this hour. So I'm going to ask some of the rest of you. It's good with you. It's well with how you're experiencing God right now. Will you just get up and go to one of these that are standing and lay your hand on them and pray for them? Okay? We're not going to do this for long. So if you'll just move right now and do that. And those of you that are seated, it's just going to be a minute. So don't get too crazy, all right? I'm going to wrap it up here in just a minute. And just go ahead and pray. Just go ahead and pray for that person. And in just a minute, I'm going to pray for all. But if you'll, those of you that are laying a hand on somebody right now, if you'll pray. So, Father, you not only see who's standing, you knew before this service who would stand and who would take a a, a step of courage and risk so that you would meet them in a powerful way. And that's our prayer, Lord, that each of these friends of ours that have stood, you would meet them in a powerful way, 
touch, inflame, stir the passion, raise the, the level of confidence and hope and, and expectancy and faith. And we pray, Lord, that you'd not only do this in them, but that you would do it through them. And that great things that extend your kingdom and that lift the name of Jesus would now happen through their lives. And we pray that in his name, which is above every name. Amen and amen. Thank you, everybody. You can be seated. Amen. All right. Uh, I have not lost my mind. But, um, I, you know, you guys are like... What's the guy do all week? (laughs) I see him on Sundays. Listen, my heart is given to this hour and what God might want to do in me, what he might want to do in you in any given hour. As far as I'm concerned, it's a huge hour every week. And uh, in preparation for today, it just seemed like God was leading for us to experience him in this kind of way. And you have been gracious and patient about that. I know it was a little uncomfortable. You're breathing, I hope, a little better now. Um, I fully expect in the coming days or weeks to hear testimony from some of you that were standing about some defining thing that happened right now and has been carrying out over these next few days. And and I anticipate, I look forward, I have a, a, a... point of celebration in my own heart about what that might be for you, for someone else, and to his glory. All right. Um, Maybe you want us to pray for you about some other things that God's been stirring in these moments. Uh, The connection card is your way to let us know about that. If you want to jot down something for us to pray for you about, this would be the time to get that done. It's also when we worship with our tithes and our offerings, and our ushers are going to come to receive that. And, Father, while they come, I just pray your blessings upon these commitments, decisions, and on these uh, financial gifts that are being given to you in worship. Amen.